power balance shifts when you focus on student voice and when you focus on their humanity. I think you have to, one, be self-reflective and two, you've got to be vulnerable enough to seek out what it is that you need. So what's given to you, this is what's needed. Now it's up to you to figure out, to, to mold that into something of your own. It doesn't have to be big. It can be one small thing. Welcome to Invitations to Listen, where we amplify stories of learning. Let's go behind the scenes, one story at a time, and learn alongside each other. I'm Summer Johnson. And I'm Nishi Langhorn, and you are invited to listen to today's story of learning. All right, so we are super excited to uh, talk with Cherie Dalton and Marissa Petty, two educators from Key Middle School who got to participate in our FCPS Onward cohort where we really dug deep into the equity transformation cycle and humanizing data to move FCPS onward and to find areas to close equity gaps and to transform school culture and instruction. And it's super exciting to be talking about humanizing data because I think the way that the that we came together for this is humanizing data because I think it was so much about um, relationships um, and just making those connections. And uh, I knew I knew Cherie already from her from where she worked previously because she worked with my partner. And so we were just meeting up um, for some drinks and some foods on a nice, beautiful day. And lo and behold, Marissa's there. And I knew that Marissa was in like interested in this cohort and in this learning. And I knew that Cherie was looking for leadership opportunities and was new to a school. Marissa's new to that school. And I was like, um, hey, why don't you come bring your beverages over to this table and let's all have a time. And it was just really great to, to make that connection and to, I think I always say like FCPS gets smaller the longer you've been here and to be able to, to make those connections and know what somebody's, somebody's about and what their, what their journey is about and to, be, to make those connections, I think is so important and, and those relationships and that really gets to our experiences and that, that humanization of our, of our data and our experiences. So we're excited to hear their learning journey um, today in from our cohort. And I'm gonna hand it over to Nishi, who's gonna give a little more background um, on what that cohort was all about. Yeah, thank you, Summer. And I'm so excited to engage in this conversation around street data. Uh, so our cohort initially started as an opportunity to kind of try one thing to, you know, to plan for a change idea and then go through the PDSA cycle. So to plan it, to do it, to study it, and then to act. And we started reading the book Street Data, and it really changed our thinking, and it shifted our thinking to helping us realize that really, before we can come up with any plan, we have to we have to listen. We have to start with listening, and we have to listen to the voices of our students, especially the students who are at the margins. And we need to use that data, that street data, when we listen to them, to uncover patterns of inequity in the school, in the system. And then after we uncover these patterns, we reimagine. So we think about ways that we can close those equity gaps and we can reimagine better uh, experiences, more meaningful learning experiences for all students. And then that last step is to move. So moving people forward and moving them through change. And that really describes the equity, equity transformation cycle that is 
the heart of the book Street Data. And our cohort engaged in this equity transformation cycle. And I'm so excited to hear the stories of Cherie and Marissa, who actually went through that cycle with their schools. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to turn it over <laughs> to Cherie and Marissa. If you want to introduce yourselves, share a little bit more about your roles, we'll start with Cherie um, and then we'll go to Marissa. All right. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Cherie Dalton. I am, this is my first year at Key Middle School. Um, I transferred from Annandale High School. And basically, I, like Summer said, I was new to the school and I was just, it was great to be a part of the cohort because I had the opportunity to meet um, different colleagues from not just within my math CT, but outside of that and to make connections. So that was, that was really good. Thanks, Cherie. Um, so this is my second year at Key Middle School. Prior to that, uh, I'm the Estes, by the way. And prior to that, I was a classroom teacher at Madison High School. Um, and I have spent my entire teaching career here in this county. Um, one of the things that I have really loved doing over my career has been working with cohorts like this so that I can actually move my practice forward. Um, I was doing some of this at Madison as a teacher, but it's been an entirely different experience to be part of this from the SFIT side and to be part of this from a leadership side. Um, so it's been really exciting for me to have the vocabulary of street data to be able to apply it to what I'm currently doing and to what I did in the past um, and to be able to pull some of those skills and some of that learning that I had done previously into this cohort. Um, and it was really nice to be able to connect with people that I've connected with on other levels before. Um, our team was small but mighty uh, and it was a really fantastic group of people. Um, so I'm excited to see where we take this in the future. And I just want to add like a special shout out to you two because Nishi and I and our other colleague, Jason, we we had no idea what, what was happening. We knew that we were going to change a whole bunch. We came in with this PDSA cycle and we read this book and it changed everything. So your flexibility as learners in this cohort to be with us, to try something new and to try this different approach and to, to kind of embrace the ambig ambiguity and like the learning, the co-learning together um, was really special. And you all will always be, will be our first try. So we appreciate it. And I love what you said about the vocabulary that you're, you've built your vocabulary for street data. And that's exactly what it is. And it, it makes me think that it's like a muscle that the more you use that vocabulary and that language, and the more that, that we actively listen to our students, the more we see the value in listening to our students. So I love that you said that. So take us, take us through some of the learning that, that transpired during this this journey that was over several months, um, you know, this this ride, this wild ride that you were on with us as we were learning alongside you. Um, so I think for me, I loved building the plane as we flew it in the cohort. Um, there was something really special about being the first ones to do this and being able to give you all that feedback about like, here's what's working for us and here's what's not quite working for us and have you adjust that. That was so helpful, um, especially because I think this year more than any other year, it has been 
really hard to get to know our students and also really important to get to know our students. And I think that um, coming up with what we wanted to focus on and initially deciding that we wanted to do empathy interviews and then conducting those interviews, I think all of that was really important for us and really eye-opening to know that, you know, it it is difficult, but it is so worth it especially when I look back at that data and when I think about the conversations that I had with students um, and, and the energy that was in that room when they had the chance to actually talk to us and have us listen to them. I think that was my biggest thing is as a classroom teacher, it was very easy for me to listen to my students. And in this role, it's a little bit harder. I'm a little bit removed from students um, or interacting with them in ways that I don't love all the time. But this offered me the opportunity to really get back into it with them and to be on the ground with them as they process their thoughts and as they talked about what they needed. Um, And so reconnecting with that was really important for me because I have felt disconnected um, in this role. And it's, you know, a new school, a new role, a pandemic you're going to feel some type of way. So being able to reconnect with students and being able to reconnect with that why that really drives me um, was super important for me. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, um, Marissa. I guess from a, a classroom perspective, being, you know, in the, in a self-contained classroom and in a team taught classroom, I did, I like the questions that we developed um, with the empathy interviews, but it also made me really, really self-reflect um, as a teacher, and I say that because, you know, yes, I do believe in building relationships with our students, but there was also a, a content, instructional content piece that was deeply embedded. Oh, we have to teach, we have to teach. But what I had to pause and think about along, along that way as we were doing the empathy interviews was that I would ask kids in my class, like all of them, Um, questions, some of those questions, and it really made me think about how I was instructing, what was that delivery like, and so that was a pushing point for me to say, hey, yes, instruction is important, but how are you instructing? Am I truly listening? Am I giving them what they need? And I've actually really started to do that more and more, and I, I see a difference in that relationship between myself and, and some of the students. It's hard, but I, I feel like it is, it is worth it because I'm getting not just a relationship, but I'm also getting that, that instruction from them as well. So. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that tree because I, I think it really connects to, and now we are on our next cohort. Um, so everything on all that feedback that you all gave us, and we're having another go round and we've, you know, we've got a lot more people, a lot more interest and it's, it's really great, but there is this kind of, it's unfamiliar, right? To be like, tell me what to do, right? Tell me the instructional thing that you want me to implement. Tell me what is the purpose of this? And it's an unfamiliar question um, for us to ask in you know, instructional services about like, well, we want you to ask your students that. We want you to ask yourself that. Um, and I can't tell you because we're used to really kind of just front loading, here's instructional practice, here's a resource, go do it. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious to know too, Marissa, and, and from both of you, just meddling through that and, and flipping that dashboard, as we say, from the book about starting with student data and student lived experiences before um, instructional practices, before um, 
I don't know, pedagogy. I mean, I guess it is pedagogy at the same time, right? Relationships are pedagogy, but how was that unfamiliarity or maybe that nervousness? How did, how did that go? I'm sorry, that wasn't one of our prepared questions. And I, <laughs> it just, it just came to me because that's a lot of the feedback that we've, that we've gotten right away is like, whoa. And it's very similar to the feedback that we got right away with FCPS on. Like, what do you mean? Tell me, where's the tech curriculum? Like, there's no such thing as tech curriculum. Like it's embedded. It's mind shit. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I don't know. It's in our last um, meeting that we had um, for cultural, cultural proficiency training, uh, I was in a group, I was in a small group with a colleague and she happened to mention something that was, is really, really important. It's understanding that, you know, and within humanizing student data, it's understanding that our students are people. So it's treating them as people. And that stuck to me so much. Um, and so as far as being terrified of it, wasn't terrified of it. I think you have to, one, be self-reflective and two, you've gotta be vulnerable enough to seek out what it is that you need. So what's given to you, this is what's needed. Now it's up to you to figure out, to, to mold that into something of your own. It doesn't have to be big. It can be one small thing. Um, I don't know if that's helpful, but, and if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Cause you can change it. I think for me, a lot of the scariness was sort of subdued simply because I can ask these questions about what's happening in classrooms and not take it personally. It's not something that I'm implementing. Um, and that was something that I always struggled with as a teacher. Like, I want to meet your needs. I want to think that I'm meeting your needs. And so you explicitly telling me that I'm not meeting your needs. It's hurtful to a degree, even though I know it's not meant in that fashion. Um, but I think being able to have these conversations with students that I don't have on my roster gave me more of an ability to take a step back and say, okay, what are the trends that I'm seeing? Um, versus hyper-focusing on my classroom. I think, I think the language that I have used around students has changed over the course of the last few months. And I think that it has made me notice how the language that other people have when they're talking about students has not changed as much. Uh, and so it has definitely made for some discomfort in that arena people who are more used to having a particular brand of authority by virtue of being an adult in a space or by virtue of being a teacher in a space or an admin in a space. It, the power balance shifts when you focus on student voice and when you focus on their humanity. And if that is the basis, if the basis of your power is holding authority over someone who doesn't really want to be in your building, then what is your actual power? And so by opening it up to students and by offering them some of that power to say, hey, we know you don't always love it here. How can we make you want to be here instead? That is upending the hierarchy that we have gotten so accustomed to. And I think that's where I'm facing some challenges is it's, it's hard to hear that for a lot of people. And especially in a year like this, where you do feel like you're giving 120% every single day. How do I go up to someone and say, hey, let's talk about how we're talking about and to students 
and what that might mean for us as a school. Yes, Marissa. Oh my gosh. And I love that you talked about language because I think language is such a big part of it and reading the book really changing our language and and it goes to the mindset shift first, right? You have to shift your thinking in order to shift your language and shifting our language to an asset-based model. It takes time and it's a practice, right? It's it's a way of thinking and it and it's so true like seeing students as seeing the humanity in students, but also acknowledging their cultural wealth, I think is a really important part of the, the process and the ideas in the book. And that that's a challenge that, you know, you've shifted your thinking, but not everyone else has shifted their thinking. They don't have that same level of understanding. So how do you, how do you negotiate? Like, how do you deal with that challenge? I wish I had a great answer, but it's really just, I think it all boils down to humanity and recognizing that just because someone isn't using the language that I'm using or hasn't done the learning that I have done doesn't make their feelings or their perception of what's happening any less valid. It just means that we need to have a further conversation around the why. Why are you talking about kids that way? Why are you approaching this problem in this fashion? And just seeking, if I can borrow from Ted Lasso, being curious, not judgmental. I think that's what it has to be rooted in. It's just, why do you feel this way? Tell me more. I think that's one of the best like street data gathering questions is to tell me more. Um, Because I think, you know, like I'm connecting with what you all are saying in terms of reading that book. And I'm like, man, we'd use so much deficit language in education. We talk, we're talking about learning loss all the time right now, talking about problems of practice, remediation, kids on the bubble. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's when you start being like, wow, like it's like, I'm dripping, I'm dripping in like deficit based language. I'm seeing it everywhere now. And so I, I appreciate that kind of finding that entry point to have those conversations and to, to try and shift some of that language. And it can get hard not to get sucked up into it, right? It's ingrained in us. We have all participated in those conversations. And as much as we might try to distance ourselves from it, it can be really easy to get sucked back in. So how do we acknowledge that and accept that and also continue to move forward? I think that's kind of connected to what Cherie was saying too, about being in community with others, a small but mighty group. When you have that group think together, um, it starts seeming like what you can do, you can do because you, you have your, your, your group together, right. That's going to, to bring forth some change. And there's power in enthusiasm, right? It, it can be, a, like you said, a small, but mighty group. And that can, that can spread that, that can be contagious. And I just, I also want to acknowledge Sheree, what you said is so important that you you know, you really leverage the street data to improve your own practice as a teacher and to, to really, you know, it, it was a pedagogical move, really, right? You were, you were listening to your students so that you could understand how to best, you know, serve their needs and help them learn, right? And I, and I think, because I think, I wonder if some people worry that they're not going to be able to teach if they spend so much time on, you know, listening to the voices, but really you're not going to be able to teach if you don't, because they're not going to access your teaching. And so it's, it's almost like a necessity. 
Yeah, it, it really is, you know, in dealing with, you know, with the, not dealing with, but working with some of, some of our students who come from, you know, different backgrounds, you know, I have to look at, I, I think you have to be mindful of that, you know, because of language, of body language, of communication styles, you also have to be mindful of where they are in their learning. Um, so that understanding that really helped me to develop activities, not the lesson within itself, but just the content activities around what they what they can do and build from there. So I I am pleased with the way it is hard. <laughs> it is hard, but I feel like the work, I'm confident that I'm seeing progress, both with the students and with myself. So we're truly meeting each other. And it's it's been a really good experience um, as far as that's concerned. There's still challenges for sure, but you know, I feel like we can I can tackle it, tweak it, continue to communicate. Um, so that's pretty much where I am with with the street data and I think it's important to be able to continue to talk to kids. I'm really, really focusing on human eye, like understanding they are people. I'm getting what I need to develop what they need, if that makes any sense at all, to try and to try and teach them. I, I want students to enjoy, I know that they don't enjoy math. They don't, but by meeting them where they are, I know that they're learning. And there's a smile on their face when they leave the classroom. Mask smile, of course. But but yeah, it is getting better. So I'm pleased with it. And I'm wondering, Cherie, could you tell us more? <laughs> could you tell us what some of those like little instructional practices or tweaks that you made um, and, and what came of that? Um, so it, honestly, I don't feel like it was anything. Okay. So and asking students about station work. You know, a lot of them, a lot of students don't enjoy, they don't enjoy paper pencil. Some of them prefer they're okay with a laptop and, you know, a whiteboard. That's their world, that's their jam, that's how they work. Other students prefer working with peers. Other students prefer working in a small group with me. So in working, I built stations. We built stations. Um, I've done some video lessons for them. Um, they get human lessons um, between us. And there's a mix of paper pencil. There's a mix of, of online learning. It's a hodgepodge of blended learning that's happening in the classroom. And I am seeing student progress with solving equations. And they're also having the opportunities to talk with their peers. That's one thing, that was the one thing that it, both in the data that we collected and within one of my classrooms, they were like, well, you never let us talk. We never get a break. We work from bell to bell. And I was just like thinking to myself, well, yes, that is exactly right. And we are learning, but we weren't, <laughs> you know, they were disengaged. They were doing other things. They were more off task then than they were, than they are now. Now they're more engaged with short bursts of learning with breaks in between. And we're still covering the content. 
their needs are being met. You know, small group is happening, peer-to-peer instruction is happening. So we are truly working on building building community. And that's how we started, but it dropped off quite a bit. And that's when you started to see the, the disengagement. I dropped off a bit, you know? So this helped me, this information really helped me to focus in on that. So we're station teaching, we're doing blended learning. We're laughing (laughs) in math class. So, and I know if folks who are listening are not seeing our like smiles and like, woo, that we're doing, (laughs) but that is just so exciting to hear that growth. And just because, because I know I've, when, when, when people have shadowed a student or done empathy interviews, that data point of like, you never let us talk about our learning with each other comes up pretty frequently in, in the conversations I've had. So um, and I, and and it compliance does not mean engagement, right? Um, so, and to hear them say that, and to see you adjust for that, and and that relationship and that community that you're building is just super inspired. Um, I'm going to come visit. You are more than welcome. Just <laughs> be ready to get your hands dirty. I'm ready. And okay, math sure. scares me, so it's good. Like it I I can too. be in the company of friends, and I'll have my whiteboard. I'll be okay. <laughs> you just need a whiteboard and a mass smile and. I'm on it. You can work for 20 minutes at a time. I think you'll be okay. (laughs) So share with us what's next. What's the next chapter in this story of learning? So a couple of things came out of us sharing our data with the leadership team uh, and with our staff. And so the first thing we're going to do is Uh, Tomorrow, I am offering an empathy interview workshop where we can go through the protocol and we have time for people to start thinking of their own questions if they want to ask questions around belonging or engagement or even grading and assessment. Um, Ann Baker at Franklin and I have worked hard on setting up a workshop for that and we're we're offering them to our our staffs tomorrow. And then uh, within the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start meeting with some AVID students to talk to them specifically about grading and assessment. Um, As we look at the different ways we'd like to measure learning at our school, I am excited to touch base with them because they've actually been working on touching base with their teachers about their learning and their progress. Um, So I think it's a natural fit there. And then we have a group of students, a mentorship group uh, that meets weekly with one of our assistant principals and one of our teachers. And the mentors have asked me to help them formulate empathy interview questions for that particular group of students. Um, Those students tend to be leaders in our building in ways that we don't necessarily need them to lead. And so this is an opportunity to be reflective Uh, for them. And they are actually going to do a data talk with those students around the data that we're going to collect within the next few weeks. So I'm really excited to see people latching on to this work and seeing how it can work in their rooms or in their roles. Uh, And yeah, we're going to dig deeper. I'm hoping to help host a street data book club, but I know everybody's got a lot on their plates right now. 
so I think just getting the book into the hands of people who want to read it is going to be a good first step. Wow, Marissa, that's so, you, this is incredible. The change that you've been able to enact in such a short period of time, it's really amazing. I love the empathy interview workshop. That's such a great idea because you're building the capacity of your school, your coaching, your teachers, you're really supporting them and centering student voice. And it's, it's not me pushing. We offered the data, we offered the protocol and people decided they wanted in. So please come in, join the party. And, and I and for you as the tech coach, as the ESPITs, right? It's you're not here to show how to use a tech tool. You're here how to humanize data, and like that is part of your your leadership that you can bring to the building too. It's not just the tech stuff; it's the instructional stuff. And I really appreciate that. I guess from my perspective, <laughs> the classroom teacher, I want to, I definitely want to continue building and learning more about blended learning. I have spoken with Marissa about it. Um, which is actually really cool. Um, we've talked about the grading piece um, and understanding the standards-based grading. So I am interested in that. So I'll be jumping in on that. Um, so I'm actually really excited about it. I'm going in completely blank slate. Just, I wanna talk about it. I wanna read about it. I wanna learn about it. So those are my next steps. I also want to, I know that we have our SOLs to plan for and things of that nature, but it's like, oftentimes the question is often, well, what happens after that? So for me, I want to try to build a lesson, build a few lessons just around like real world application of things that we have learned this year to give students that, that control over their learning over the next month or so. What that's going to look like, I have no idea yet, but um, there's lots of things that we can do with tax tip and discount those real world things that, that we need, things working with slope. Um, I want the kids to be active and I want them to enjoy it. I want them to show me that they can apply what they're learning because I feel oftentimes there's a lot of us that are not great with multiple choice tests. I don't wanna do that. I want you to get active. I want you to do it. Let's apply what we're learning. Let's have some fun with it. Let's, I want to see them working together more. So the, those are my next steps for me. I definitely want to be in your class. <laughs> <laughs> it could look like a madhouse. I'm not sure yet. I haven't gotten there yet, but I know that like I am planning to work with our instructional coach um, and, <laughs> and Marissa <laughs> because I am going to need help with it. But I just want, I want to see application. Like I want to, I want them up and moving. I want them planning. I want them doing something um, where they, where you're like, I'm going to be able to use this math. This is math that I can use. Hey, I actually need this. So I do think that there are, there are pieces, they need all the math, but I feel like that there are certain real life pieces that we have learned this year that is really important um, for some of our kids. And we can be as creative as we want with it. That's what I would like. So we'll see, to be continued. And it's it's so great. I mean, I 
for one, I think the best teachers are the ones who embrace learning for themselves as well as their students and to really see, um, to just have that. I was talking with Nisha this morning about, I was, I was rereading some bell hooks and talking about like um, that, that learning is like shared labor and that we can do this together with our learners and with, with our students. And I think that is so powerful and it's, and it's, um, it really goes against a lot of that like banking model will just give students information and they have to regurgitate it up but it's so powerful and it's so meaningful and it's so authentic and it is the equitable thing to do. It is the social justice thing to do. And it's like, cause they're human because they're regular people and they deserve that um, as our students. So I'm, I'm really inspired and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to come take on some of those projects. If I could, if I could be like a seventh grade math student in Miss Dalton's class, like that might be a good, that'd be a good day for me. <laughs> Shadow student. Hey. Right? I've never shadowed. Oh, man, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Don't be like, man. <laughs> I know I'm going to have too much energy. Yeah. They're brutally honest. So <laughs> that is so true. So true. I, I, so as you all were talking and I'm taking notes here and I'm noticing all of these like themes that start with C. So connection, choice, I heard in your story, Sheree, the importance of choice, conversation, really valuing that conversation to humanize the data, collaboration, right? Just the two of you here together show that, um, curiosity over compliance, and then community, which you all are building at Key Middle School. So kudos to both of you leading this change at your school. It's really impressive. And I love the two perspectives of, you know, Sheree, you as an, a teacher and Marissa, you as an instructional leader and the power of the two of you coming together. It's just been really nice to like listen to, to talk with Marissa and also talk with Jackie and, and John. Like it, it, it's been a really good experience. Um, so I'm, I would do it again. Um, for sure. Well, we might tap y'all to come back with our spring cohort, especially, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about you and Anne in this empathy interview workshop. I mean, that could be something that the other aspects could replicate. Um, maybe we could do something else there for or you just to share your stories um, as we keep moving along. So just really appreciate you guys. I'd love that. I, I love these conversations and I love being in community with people who wanna keep learning. That's a great note to end on. Thank you both so much for spending time with us today and sharing your learning and your stories. Thanks for listening to today's Story of Learning. Let's keep amplifying our voices.